0: listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, October the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at a reading for this coming Sunday, which is kind of an important Sunday. It's Reformation, and the readings are from Revelation 14, Romans 3, and John chapter 8. Now, last week, we went over a Bible passage that you can really use to help people understand the distinctions between law and gospel. It was Mark chapter 10 and the rich man. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus not only told him what he had to do, which was impossible for him to do. But when the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved? Jesus answered, with men, it is impossible. And what he meant by that is that there is nothing a man, a woman, a child can do in order to be saved. It's rather a gift from God. We don't merit salvation We inherit salvation. So if you're looking for a Bible verse that will really help your listeners understand that Jesus does not believe in salvation by works, Mark chapter 10 would be very, very good. But for the Reformation, there's another passage that really helped Martin Luther understand the true meaning of Christianity, and it's Romans chapter 3. Now, it is such a simple passage to understand. I don't understand yet how the Roman Catholic Church can have the teachings it has that we are not saved through faith alone. So, Let's begin by taking a look at verse 19 of Romans chapter 3. Now, we know that the, whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now, the key phrase there is to those who are under the law. What does it mean to be under the law? It means to be living under the impression that you can save yourself by means of obedience to the law. People who have that view. Well, it's found in every other religion outside of Christianity. There's always a set of works that you have to do. So those who are under the law, who, who believe their salvation is based on their merit and on their works, well, the law speaks to them and tries to shut every mouth who pretends that they're saved by the law. In the Sermon on the Mount and many other passages by Jesus, it is clear that he used the law to show that no one can be saved by obedience to the law. In fact, you can't even obey the law until after you are totally saved. It's like saying that a child becomes the child of parents when they obey the parents. No, they're already the child because they are born or begotten, or adopted into the family. So, it's similar with Christianity. A person cannot decide to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore be saved, because he's an unbeliever. So, every mouth that boasts about, I'm saved by the law, is stopped when they understand the law properly because it's clear from the Bible, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The whole world is accountable to God. What does that mean? It means that God can hold us accountable to him, and therefore, hell would be our destination. But because of the gospel, God forgives us those sins, and heaven is our destination. Now, just in case you think that Paul isn't saying that nobody can be saved by the law, listen to verse 20, probably the only verse you need in the Bible. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes what? Now, every other religion would say that through the law comes your salvation because you're obedient. No, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That's how every mouth is stopped of those who think that they're saved by being under the law, by obeying the law. No, their mouths are stopped because the purpose of the law is to give us knowledge of our sin and the law can never give knowledge of our salvation. But the only people who go to heaven are those who are declared to be righteous in the sight of God. Now, how does that happen? We got verse 21, chapter 3 of Romans. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Now, that's really interesting. The righteousness of God has been manifested. In other words, it has been revealed to us but apart from any of our obedience to the law. Now, Paul goes on in verse 21, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, if it's not revealed through the law, how can the law bear witness to it? Because it bears witness through the prophecies. Look at Adam and Eve. God says, that through the seed of Eve would come a savior. To Abraham, through Isaac, many of the nations will be blessed because through his seed will come the Messiah. And that is a constant theme throughout the Old Testament books that we get declared righteous, not by the law, Even though the law, and in this case you would be talking about the law of the Old Testament, the books that refer to the law, they definitely bear witness to the fact of what? Verse 22, they bear witness to the fact that the righteousness of God will come to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And then it explains what that faith is for all who believe. This is what the whole Reformation was about. Salvation is not by any of your good works. No, your mouth will be stopped if you think that you're saved by your obedience, if you think you merit salvation. No, you instead inherit salvation. And you receive the righteousness from God's point of view through faith in Jesus Christ, which means you believe his promises. Now, one of his promises, probably the most important one, is your sins are forgiven because of his death on the cross. Now, what does that mean? Well, whereas The verse said in verse 19 that the entire world could be held accountable to God because of their sins. The gospel says that those who believe the promises of the gospel, guess what? You're no longer held accountable. That's right. You don't pay for your sins. Jesus paid for them. And who does that include? Well, there is no distinction, as verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, how are we justified? We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, let's explain that a little bit. If you're not justified by grace, the only other option is you're justified by his justice, which means salvation is something you deserve and you get it because you're such a good person. But the law makes clear that you are not such a good person to merit your way to salvation, you are a poor, miserable sinner, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But God, through the Holy Spirit, gives you the faith that trusts the promises of the gospel. And in that way, you are saved because you are justified by His grace. That simply means grace, that you receive something you do not deserve. That's a huge difference between law and gospel. If you're saved by the law, then you get what you deserve. Namely, you did so many good works, you deserve to be saved. But nobody reaches that condition because good works are simply not possible until after you have been totally saved because the good works that god recognizes as appropriate are not even called good works they they are referred to as the fruit of the holy spirit and that is what happens when someone is baptized they receive not only the promise of the gift of the forgiveness of sins where your sins are no longer held accountable by you, but you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who brings with him that faith that trusts the promises of God. So you are justified not by your works, not by merit, not by justice, but by his grace as a gift i mean you can't be more clear than this that salvation is gift now why do you get this gift the text goes on here in verse 24 through the redemption that is in christ jesus now the word to redeem was used at the time of jesus for a slave to become free They were redeemed. Somebody paid their cost, and therefore they were no longer a slave. We were a slave to Satan, but Jesus redeemed us. How? Well, it continues in verse 25. Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to to be received, by faith now we need to understand what the word propitiation means it means that jesus became your substitute on the cross paying for your sins he became the sacrifice that therefore paid for your sins as he himself says at the end of the crucifixion it is finished. What was finished? Namely, the mission for which Jesus was sent, to be the redeemer of every sinner in the world. And therefore, Jesus is held accountable for your sins. You can't find any other religion in the whole world where God is the Savior. No, God instead is maybe an example for you to follow or a rule maker for you to listen to in order that you can merit your salvation. But only in Christianity does Jesus become the substitute by his blood to die for your sins. And you receive that good news by faith. Therefore, those who go to heaven are those who do not deny the faith that the Holy Spirit desires to give to them, in contrast to those who object to the faith and remain in unbelief. So, the death of Jesus on the cross had a purpose, which verse 25 continues. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Now, what event does that remind you about when it says he passed over? Well, yes. When the Israelites were still in slavery in Egypt, they celebrated what was called the Passover. And they put blood of a slain lamb over their doors. And the angel of death passed over their houses. Where the blood was not found, then the oldest male in the house died. And that included not only human beings, the oldest son, for example, of Pharaoh's own son, but also the oldest animal that belonged to the house. In other words, God passed over the house, the angel of death, and did not bring the punishment of death to those who believed. And he knew those who believed because they put the blood over the doorway. And that was to show God's righteousness that he desires to save those who have faith in his promises. And therefore, he passed over former sins. Verse 26 continues. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in in Jesus now there's a distinction between saying that God is a God of justice and that he is just you see there was a reason why God gives you his righteousness and it's not because you deserve it it's not because you were just and therefore God is forced to save you, it's because his son was just towards you. He took upon himself your punishment. How many times when you were a child were you taken to the movies by your parents? Maybe to see a Walt Disney production, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, or Bambi, or something like that. Well, you get to the window that's in front of the movie store, and they ask for some money. Well, you don't have any money, but your parents pay your way. They therefore redeem you in the sense of you no longer have to pay anything to get into the movie. They put pay the full cost, and that shows how just they are because you are their child and they love you. Jesus is the justifier of the one who doesn't have good works to get into heaven, but rather has faith in Jesus. That's what the end of verse 26 says. So yes, God is just in the sense, he just doesn't forgive your sins for no reason. He forgives them because Jesus he became your substitute in dying and paying for your sins on the cross. So, Paul writing to the Romans, some of them who were boasting about their good works, thinking thereby that they were saved by what they did. Verse 27 Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Why? How is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? Our, Our boasting is excluded, that we're really not boasting, but our works are really paying our way to salvation? No, that's not how our boasting is excluded. But instead, as verse 27, but by the law of faith. Now, this next sentence, the end of our reading for Reformation Sunday, verse 28 of chapter 3, I don't see how anybody can read this verse and think they're still saved by their good works. Here's what the verse says. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from, from works of the law. Now, what Paul is talking about is that distinction that we have in regard to salvation, the distinction between justification and sanctification. In the area of justification, where we are declared to be just and righteous in God's sight, it's never due to works that we have done it's due instead to the works that jesus has accomplished for us he's the one who became our substitute he paid the price for our sins on the accursed tree and therefore jesus is our savior so we hold that one is justified by faith. And what's faith? The word faith in the Greek and the Hebrew also can be translated as belief or trust or confidence. In in what? In a promise from God. For example, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's a promise from God. And that promise is based not on any good works that you have done. It's based on your belief that the promises of God are sure and are also necessary for you. That's what repentance is all about. When we repent of our sins, we are telling God that we don't deserve any salvation. That we have sinned by thought, word, and deed and deserve eternal damnation. And as our liturgy says, there is nothing we can do to rid ourselves of our sin. But there's something that God does. He rids ourselves of the eternal consequences of that sin by going to hell. No, those who have faith in the words of Jesus Christ. Guess what? They are no longer held accountable for their sin. It's not that you stop from sinning. No, you continue to sin. But where you are held accountable is when you don't have faith. And therefore, you desire to pay for your sins. You don't want a Savior. But Jesus is your Savior. He's the Savior of everybody in the world. He paid for everyone's sins. And so when you're justified, you receive the righteousness of Christ. Sanctification is the process where having been justified, you love to do good works for Jesus Christ because you love him. And it is that love for him that comes about because he first loved you. And that's the method of salvation that God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ. I'm Tom Baker. You've been listening to Law and Gospel and its Reformation passage. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel... I'll be by myself. Mark Smith is on assignment. We're going to look at, O God of mercy, God of might, that hymn. Until then, God bless you.